Inspired by the C.S. Lewis book, Mere Christianity, this podcast is about why I believe what I believe. Welcome to Bear Christianity. Last week, I covered the first day of creation. God said, let there be light. And just in meditating on that creation and light, I decided to to do a little search on my Bible study program called Logos Bible Software on my computer. I highly recommend it. Anyway, I, I was able to search the number of times that the word light is used, and I just used the ESV version of the Bible. So light is used 265 times in the Bible in 230 verses. And so it's light. This theme of light is a a huge biblical theme that runs throughout Scripture. And so tons of verses started coming to mind in the Bible. And so I just started thinking about some of those verses and and putting together a few different concepts. So today is actually going to be what should be a very simple presentation of the gospel, but just kind of based around these ideas of creation and light. And, and so some different verses that talk about that and, uh, and, and how that relates to the gospel and Christianity. So hopefully you enjoy this. So again, I'm sort of wandering off the, the track a little bit, um, but it's my podcast and I can do whatever I want. So this is what we're talking about today, and hopefully it will be fruitful for you. So in thinking about creation, one of the verses that came to mind, 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And then in meditating on light, um, first of all, the Bible is called the, is referred to as light. In Psalm 119, this is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's, it basically focuses on the Word of God. And so Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. And so again, this is this is poetry. We talked a little bit about Hebrew poetry in an in a earlier episode, but it's basically saying the same thing in two different ways. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. So when light is shown on something, it, it shows you the truth. If you're, if you're walking through a room with stuff all over the floor and the lights are off, you're sort of stumbling, you're kind of groping around, you turn the light on, it, it shows truth. It shows what is truly there. And, and so the Bible gives wisdom. It, it helps us to see the world for the, the, what it truly is. And so in that way, the, the Bible, the Word of God, is light. The Bible, though, is about Jesus. The reason the Bible is light to us is not because it's some magical book, but because of the person it reveals. Light reveals truth, and the Bible reveals the way, the truth, and the life Jesus Christ. And so in thinking about Jesus as the light, John 8, 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so today we're going to, you know, just kind of dive a little bit deeper on creation, light, and Christianity. Now you can always connect with me by email, bearchristianity at gmail.com. On Instagram at the real Bear Martin, Twitter at Bear for Christos, and then now for our little segment on a bear in the woods. The Major League Baseball playoffs are back. Okay, so I'm a huge Braves fan, and so they are tied one to one right now. I'm, I'm recording this, by the way, on Thursday morning. 
because I'm, I'm going out of town for the weekend, so I won't have much time to record. So it's actually a little earlier than what I typically record an episode. So the Braves are in a three out of best three out of five series with the Phillies, and the series is tied one-to-one. So the next time they play will be Friday at 4. Um, they'll play Friday, Saturday, and then if, if, they're, if they're still tied and it goes to game five, let's see, they'll take – Sunday off and then they'll play Monday. So, oh boy. So by the time this comes out Tuesday morning, we will know the winner of this series. So hopefully the Braves are still still alive and playing in the playoffs. If you do not watch baseball, then watch up watch playoff baseball. I realize that there's 162 games in the regular season and sometimes baseball to someone who doesn't love the sport can come across a little boring, but playoff baseball is super intense. Like every pitch just it, the whole game can change on one pitch. And so it's it's exciting to watch and hopefully you enjoy it and pull for the Braves. Okay, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so Jesus, the, the light of Jesus, again, light reveals truth. So the light of Jesus reveals who God is, it reveals more about God, and also the light of Jesus reveals sin. So first, the light of Jesus reveals God in John 1, 1 through 18. I'm going to read the whole thing. This is called the prologue of John, sort of the introduction to John's gospel. And listen for the themes of creation and light as I read. Here we go, John 1, verses 1 through 18. And by the way, when when John's gospel here says the word, that's talking about Jesus, okay? So here we go, John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. That's talking about John the Baptist, by the way. Verse 8, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So that's John 1, 1 through 18. So Genesis 1 reveals God in creation. John 1 reveals God in salvation. Now, another passage here, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, again, talking about 
uh, Jesus and and he and what he reveals. Hebrews one verse one. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. This is referring to the Old Testament, basically. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He, that is the Son, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Hebrews 1 talks about the Old Testament. God gives us the laws through the prophets, and God instructs Israel about himself. He delivers them from slavery. He gives them victory in battles, and all along, he's telling Israel about who he is, and and Israel worships him for a time and then flees to idolatry. Uh, But Hebrews 1 says in these last days that, that the sun is the radiance of the glory of God. Radiance is a light coming from a luminous body. So Jesus, the incarnate Son, the the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us, He is the radiance of the glory of God. So the, the, the light that we see, that Jesus reveals God. We are, we are mankind, and so we cannot know God in, in, in all of his truth, because God is eternal. He is spirit. We are flesh. So, so there's a boundary. He is creator. We are creation. There's a boundary in, in how we can understand and know God. And so in order to reveal himself in the fullest possible way, Jesus, the Son of God, the second person in the triune God, the Trinity, the second person becomes flesh. He became a man. And and in that way, he sort of comes down to our level and reveals God to us. I've said this before, but if God chose to become a man and walk around with us and show us what he's like in, in the best possible way, that is what that's exactly what Jesus did. And so he the Bible says he is the radiance, he is the light, he is the 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 part of God that we can actually see and touch and feel. That that is how Jesus explains God to us. So Jesus is how we can see God in in the fullest possible way for us as humans. John 1 uh, verse 18, I just read it, but listen to this. No one has ever seen God, but the only God, or, or some translations say the only Son, this is talking about Jesus, the only God who is at the Father's side, that's Jesus, he has made him known. And, and, and the reason Jesus has made God known to us is because he is the word become flesh. So Jesus, the, the light of Jesus, he reveals God to us, but Jesus also reveals our sin. The light of Jesus reveals sin. John 3, 16 through 21. So Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee, a, a religious elite uh, among the Jews. And Jesus says this, I'll start out with a really popular verse. So John 3, 16 through 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment, the light 
has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And so people love the the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because the light exposes their sin. It it makes us uncomfortable. When when our sin, when our faults are revealed to us, that is extremely uncomfortable. And so the light exposes that. Now, the human tendency is to compare ourselves to others. And usually we do this in an unfair manner. We often judge others by their actions but we judge ourselves by our intentions. So let's say that we did something wrong. Well, we would say, well, you know, my I'm really a good person at heart. I know I did these bad things, but my intention, my heart is good. And so that's how we we fool ourselves. We we judge ourselves on different standards than what we judge others by. We judge everybody else by what they do and and then we judge ourselves by saying, well, my my motives were good. My intentions were good, uh, although I didn't follow through on that. But but when we compare ourselves to others, it's easy for us to lift ourselves up by choosing who we compare ourselves to. But the Bible says we are compared to Jesus and his perfection. Jesus is perfectly obedient to the God the Father, and he's morally perfect towards others. Matthew 22, 36 through 39, Jesus was asked this, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so when compared to Jesus, who did this perfectly, he loved the Lord God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, was perfectly obedient to God the Father, and he also loved his neighbor as himself. So when we compare ourselves to Jesus, we realize the, the wickedness of our own hearts. And so so often our, our motives are selfish or fake. And so so the light of Jesus, the way Jesus lived life, you know, shining on our own hearts reveals that sin. Also, the Old Testament laws show us our sin as well. And so in Romans 5 verses 20 through 21, Paul says this, now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. So the Old Testament laws reveal sin, and, and I'm going to, you got to hang with me here. I'm, the Old Testament laws reveal sin in a negative way. And what I mean by that is that the, the Old Testament lists out the, the moral demands, the, the law of God that we are commanded to keep. And here's the thing, we cannot, we, we don't keep it, and we cannot keep it because we are sinners. And so we can't perfectly keep these laws laid out by God. And so the Old Testament law reveals our imperfection. So it, it reveals that to us in a in a negative sense. Okay, so I realize I'm negative is maybe not the best word there. Uh, but Jesus reveals our sin, and I'm going to say in a in a positive way. So the Old Testament sort of lays out the laws, and and when we look at that, we say, okay, here's what's demanded of me, and I I just I'm not I'm not fulfilling that. 
Okay, Jesus, when we look at Jesus, Jesus demonstrates what it looks like. That's why I say in a positive sense, Jesus positively keeps all those laws of the Old Testament. So he reveals our sin in a different way because when we compare ourselves to Jesus, we see what it's like to perfectly be obedient to the Father. And uh, compared to Jesus, that shows us our sin as well. So the Old Testament lays out the laws, and when we look at those laws, we see that we're sinners. And then Jesus lives a perfect life, perfectly obedient to the Father, morally perfect towards others. And when we compare ourselves, in both instances, we see our sin. And so the both the Old Testament and Jesus show us that we are sinners. And Jesus, in showing us the difference between our sin and his perfection, he also does this. He accomplishes righteousness through his earthly life. So Jesus comes, he his his light reveals the sin in our, our in our hearts because he is light, he is truth, he is perfection, he is righteousness. And so when we look at him, that light reveals sin in our life. But as Jesus is doing that, as Jesus is is perfectly obedient to the Father, as he's doing that, he is also accomplishing perfect righteousness as a human here on earth. And this is so important because we often focus on Jesus' death on the cross as the payment for our sins, and that's very important. But often we forget that he also had to live a perfect life, and this perfect life is how we are made righteous. So Paul talks about this. He, Paul is also going to use this, this theme of creation and also light in his second letter to the Corinthians. So uh, listen, listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5.17, I've already mentioned it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, earlier, just to, in chapter, so that was chapter 5. In chapters 3 and chapters 4, let me read some of these verses, 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Paul's talking about his, his ministry here and sharing the gospel. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. So in the Old Testament, Moses gets the laws on Mount Sinai, and, and Moses is with God, and his face was shining like the sun from the, the light, the righteousness of God, the glory of God. And so Moses had to put a veil over his face. The, the Israelites wanted him to put a veil over his face because it was so bright. So that's what Paul's talking about there. But Paul says this, but their minds were hardened for to this day when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. And this veil is not like a little thin, lacy little veil that you may see at weddings today. This is a thick veil that you can't see through. So it, it's blinded them. And Paul's going to use that, that same language a little later. For that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with the unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the Christian with unveiled face, uh, 
you know, see, we turn to the Lord and with unveiled face, as we behold the glory of the Lord, it transforms us. We want to become, we desire to become more and more like Jesus Christ. So that's 2 Corinthians 3. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 6, and even if our gospel is veiled, again, Paul's talking about his his ministry, the, the gospel he's preaching. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So here, Paul is contrasting being veiled or being blinded against being unveiled and seeing the light of the glory of God. So that's that's chapters uh, 3 and 4 of 2 Corinthians. And so now I'm going to bounce back to chapter 5 and start with this verse I've read several times. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. This word reconciled is to be made right with God. And that's what happens in, in Christianity. And so God is reconciling the world to himself through who? Through Jesus Christ. And he gives Christians the ministry of reconciliation, meaning we go share the gospel with others so that they can be reconciled to God. Okay? So in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so here in 2 Corinthians, I've kind of you know picked out some verses, but if you have some time today, read 2 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5. In, in 2 Corinthians, Paul's talking about spiritually, we are a new creation, and he's also using this theme of being veiled or blinded, and then the light being shown in your heart. And this light gives you knowledge of sin a need for a Savior, and also it shows you the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin. This is talking about Jesus taking on sin, who knew no sin. Jesus was per- was perfect, but but became sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So it all comes together here with this. Remember I said that Jesus reveals our sin by showing us his perfection, his righteousness. We we see our sin when we compare ourselves to the Old Testament law, but we also see our sin as we look at the perfection of Jesus Christ. And and as he was perfectly fulfilling the law, Jesus' perfection and righteousness is going to be credited to us. It is imputed. That's the the word that's that's used there, the theological term. It is imputed to us. It is it is 
credited to our account, or we are legally declared righteous. Now, we are, we are legally declared righteous not because of our own righteousness, not because of our own perfection, but because of the righteousness of Jesus, and it is given to us. That is imputation. So Jesus essentially trades places with us. This is the gospel. He bears the punishment for our sin. He became sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus takes our sin and we are credited with his righteousness. So when the Christian is judged, they are judged based on the perfection of Jesus. If a Christian was standing in the law court of God, when God judges that Christian, we are judged based on the perfection of Jesus Christ, not for our own disobedience and imperfection. That is the only way that that God can look at us as righteous. It is through Jesus Christ. And so that is the gospel. That is the good news, because we cannot attain perfection for ourselves. Jesus Christ is perfect, and we are credited his perfection, his righteousness, through trusting in him as our Savior, through having belief in him, through faith in Jesus Christ. So this truth, the truth of this gospel message, the truth is only seen if God creates a new heart in us, if he takes out our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. God shines the light of the gospel on that heart, and we realize the truth of it. We realize that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and we understand the truth of the gospel. And so if that's not something that you have realized before, my prayer is that this podcast helps you understand that. And that, and, and again, it is not my clever words. This is the simple message that the, the Bible proclaims, the simple gospel message. So it is not in, in my clever words. It is because the Holy Spirit is actually working in your heart right now. He's created a new heart in you, and God is shining the light of his gospel on your heart. And so given all this, what are Christians supposed to do? We are supposed to walk in the light. 1 John 1, 5 through 10, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So the more we walk in the light, the more like Christ we become. The closer we get to to God, his light reveals more and more sin in our lives and the Christian is always fighting to get rid of sin in their life. So in my Christian walk, I am now working on recognizing and eliminating sins in my life that I would have never even thought about earlier in life. And so it's a constant progression. And and so we are growing in holiness. This is called sanctification. And so Christians grow in holiness. They set themselves apart from the things of the world. Just as light is separated from darkness, 
God shines light on us and and he and he separates the Christian from the darkness of the world. That that's what it means to be holy. It means to be set apart, to be different, to be unique. And so Jesus says this to the people of God, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. See, Jesus is the light, and now as Christians, we are the light. We we reflect his light. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to who? Is Are your good works glory for yourself? No. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Thank you.